you all miss the really funny <laughs> like it's just she's so weird like i love her to pieces it's just just so such an odd odd species of cat it's like she doesn't like anyone but like lo like loves you so much she wants she it's, it's like all her love goes to you she's like that like, i don't know have you ever i don't know if you watch tv but have you ever seen that series you i don't think i have oh okay well then it doesn't make sense for me to explain it but like yeah she's obsessed with you <laughs> i just think because i'm at my most vulnerable then she wants to snuggle i think that's what it is oh yeah anyway well, how was your week what's going on what's new shit honestly it feels like this week was a bunch of bullshit like i mean as far as my full-time job um it's like as time goes on i'm like my mind is just like separating from it and it's like mm -hmm. no stay in real life stay in real life and it's like gosh it's like the more um coaching kind of takes over like you know what i'm doing yeah the more separated i get from it and um, I'm just kind of going through the motions at work and I'm developing still at work, I would say like mindfully, but yeah, I can definitely feel it where it's like, sheesh, it's a, it's a really big struggle for me to do both because it's so, um, they both call for two different things. Right. So, um, and one of them, obviously I like a lot more than the other. So that is, that's been my week. I feel like I, I worked at work, but I didn't. Like I, I like, I did what I needed to do, but not like more, you know, I'm an above and beyond person, Yeah. So not more than what was necessary. And that's never really good enough for me. So yeah, there's that. <laughs> How about you? Uh, not too bad. Um, I can't really think of what happened to be honest with you. This week kind of felt blurry. If that makes any sense, it just felt like it kind of like went by not that anything was bad like as far as like business goes like I'm adding more athletes which is weird mm. because normally this time is like kind of a lull in the fitness industry so I'm really grateful for the athletes you know joining my team and signing on with me so that's actually really cool and something I'm really grateful for but like personally wise like now nah, we're just we're just chilling we're just chilling yeah. I got a couple good athletes this week too like you know good ones that like I have one who's going through, um, she has IBS and, you know, is learning how just to moderate. It's, it's all stress reduction. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know, she did the eight week challenge and just by, just by reducing her stress, like you, her body is completely different. So it's like, she signed on and she's been really compliant. And I had another one sign on and I have, I think two more coming next week from the challenge too. So that's nice. Um, so I'm, I'm in a good spot, like coaching wise, um, just yeah, rolling, rolling with that. I love it. I love it. And we have a very fun and exciting topic today talking about why we train till failure and how oh, that, excited. how that like failure component actually kind of translates into you winning. So obviously there's so much more that goes into developing muscle and getting muscle hypertrophy when we're talking about progressive overload, nutrition, sleep, stuff like that. But today we're really just focusing on like, how does an actual muscle fiber grow? Like what does a muscle fiber need stimulus wise in order to grow? So we're talking about the different types of hypertrophy, how to create um, an optimal tension to induce muscle hypertrophy, muscle failure, pros and cons. What about reps and reserve? 
um, should you train to failure? Should you not train to failure? So that's kind of the, going to be the topic of, um, today's podcast. I'm really excited for it. Yeah. You know how I feel about training to failure. Dude, it's, <laughs> it's awesome. And I, I don't know about you, but I'm not able to train to failure right now. We're doing like two, one, three reps in reserve, depending on the lift, but like, those are still fucking hard sets. It's not like oh, we're, yeah. you know, we're not goofing off by any means in the gym, but there's something I mean, about like the art of failure. That's like beautiful. Almost. <laughs> Two reps, I mean, two to three reps in reserve. I think people don't understand. It's not a walk in the park. Mm-hmm. It's not like, oh, you're not failing. And so it's not hard. Like it's definitely hard either way, but one you're you're going all the way. And then the other, you're just barely tipping it. And then you, you stop like, and that is a skill in itself. Like it's actually much harder. I've never had. Okay. So me personally, I've never had to train RIR. Mm-hmm. I've only trained like one RIR for deadlifts. And I think maybe for squats, um, because they're bigger lifts and it's hard, it's just harder to do. They're more technical. Absolutely. Plus then you risk the safety as well. Um, so, but I can get to failure with the squat. That's the thing is that I have a lot of mental fortitude to be able to do that. So I can, but it's Mm -hmm. harder for me personally to not go all the way. Uh, it's harder for me to stop at one RAR, um, or I haven't had to do two or three, but I could imagine for someone like myself, when the time comes, if that ever comes where I have to do that, um, I like generally, like if I can't train to failure, like if I'm coming off sickness or something, I just won't train. I just won't train until that's just me though. Like some people will go to the gym and do a few reps in reserve or whatever to reduce stress. But I just, I'll just take the extra rest day, but that's just Mm -hmm. my style. So yeah, this is a good one right here. Absolutely. So when we're talking about muscle hypertrophy, we're talking about like, how does a muscle grow in order for muscles to grow? They need that initial stimulus. And what that looks like is specifically mechanical tension. That's like one of the biggest principles you need for muscle hypertrophy. And that's like the actual receptors that are in the muscle tissue that respond to that mechanical tension, both in amount and duration. So it's not just the load. It's not just about how much weight are you lifting? It's about creating that tension through proper engagement and having that amount of time. So also thinking about time under tension when it comes to executing, you know, that rep that you were doing in that point in time, there's also like involved in the actual growth. We're also thinking about metabolic stress, which is kind of like, you know, that lactate and hydrogen ions that accumulate in the muscle tissue and help to generate that fatigue as well. Um, along with the actual damage of the muscle fiber, um, the actual, actual, like smallest increment of, um, the muscle tissue that actually does get damaged and gets, you know, accumulates these micro tears that helps to generate this initial response for the body to be like, Oh shit, something's happening. We don't like this. So this is how we need to get better and improve. Yeah, for sure. And then there's two types of muscle hypertrophy. So there's myofibular, which is increasing the size and the amounts of the contractile elements um, within the muscle tissue. This would include actin and myosin. Um, So we're talking about like at the cellular level. Um, And then sarcoplasmic, which is an increase in the cellular components involved in producing a a muscular contraction. So that would include like enzymes, the T tubules, et cetera. Like we're not going to go super deep into that, but those are the two types of my muscle hypertrophy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. 
Exactly. There's also hyperplasia, but as of right now to date, there's not really much scientific evidence to show that humans can undergo hyperplasia, which is essentially increasing the number of contractile elements, not just the sheer size, but the actual number. Like there's Mm -hmm. evidence saying sometimes in other models and, but most of the time it's just as of right now, it's just not something that we think that humans can do, um, at least Mm -hmm. to make note of. So you know, when we're talking about hypertrophy, um, in this setting, we are specifically talking about just increasing the, in the muscle size. size. Yeah. Yeah. So again, myofibular, myofibular, I did good the first time. My, you, you shook your head when I got it. You're like, Oh, myofibular, um, is increasing the size. Okay. Of these elements of, of, of the cells. Okay. Sarcoplasmic is an increase in the cellular components to produce a contraction. So that there's two different things there. Um, so just knowing the difference is really important. And that's why it's important. Mechanical, like mechanical tension and mechanical wise while you're training. That's why these things are important. Not just in, in not just the size of the muscle, but how you contract. Um, that's why we have tempo. That's why we have, that's why we, we have detail in training. That's why we don't just like go to the gym and just start pumping. Like we, we do a lot, a lot more than that. And so that's where all, that's where these elements come in. Um, Cause you can de- literally, you can develop the sarcoplasmic aspect from training a certain way. So just exactly. so you know. And people don't even think about like the deep, not, not like, why would you though? Cause your goal is to increase muscle size, but you're not thinking like at the cellular level that like, you need like more enzymes, you need more mm-hmm. ion channels, like, mm-hmm. like all of these like chemical terms and chemistry terms that were kind of like rattling off to you guys. Like those also have to increase in number. And it's really important to understand that. Um, and kind of thinking about that when you are training, maybe not that, oh, I'm adding more T-tubules, but like, yeah. <laughs> you know, but like actually thinking like when you are lifting, lifting with a purpose, because that purpose is desperately, desperately needed. Yeah. Um, yeah. So now we're kind of thinking like, okay, so we're lifting weights. So how do you kind of create that mechanical tension? And that is with hard fucking sets. Close to failure. Close to failure. Close to failure. If not to, if not yeah. beyond, depending upon like where you're at, but When we're thinking about hard set, the reason why we have to get so close to failure at failure, maybe even beyond failure, depending upon your level of experience in the gym is you want to recruit these high threshold motor units, which are going to rely on the size principle, which essentially means the motor units are going to be activated in order of smallest motor units to largest motor units. And that recruitment is going to depend upon the force needed to move something. So let's think about this in application. If you are a beginner and you pick up one of those pink or purple three pound dumbbells and do a bicep curl, you could probably, you know, whip out 20 easy reps and might get a somewhat decent pump. But, you know, when you pick up maybe that 10 pound weight or that 15 pound weight, it's a lot heavier. You're going a lot slower. You're going to, if you're going to push it till failure, you're going to be recruiting a lot more of those larger motor units because you were just going to need more muscle fibers to create that force, to pull that bicep up during that bicep curl. So what about, so what about people that like, they want to lose weight and they end up like lightening the weight? Like they end up like putting, you know, they don't, they won't lift heavy. So here's what I, like, I feel like they're, the reason why they do that is they're thinking like, oh, they're producing more reps. Therefore they're burning more calories. I think Mm -hmm. like that sometimes it's like the, the, 
the level that they're at. The thing is like heavier loads are going to recruit those high threshold motor units mm-hmm. quicker earlier, because obviously if it's a heavier weight, you're going to need to recruit those um, larger muscle, um, not the larger motor recruitments. However, it could also be done with lightweight as well, light relative to a heavy load. The thing is you're going to be stimulating those high threshold motor units later during those final like four or five reps as you approach failure. So yeah. yes, it can be done with lighter sets, but you and lighter like load, but you mm-hmm. cannot miss that component of getting close to failure or hitting failure because those final reps, those can be kind of, you know, considered your stimulating reps. Right. So therefore yeah. you need to make sure that if you're going to pick a lighter weight, you got to take it all the way. I think that what you said is great about like the thinking that you're going lighter. So you're burning more calories. I don't know who needs to hear this, but lifting weights is not about burning calories. It's not about burning calories. It's about, it's about building muscle. You're not doing fail sets so you can burn calories. That's not how it works. Um, and so that's why I asked that question. Cause I know you're going to have a good answer, but it heavier loads recruit those high threshold muscle units that ends lighter loads. It's hard. It's harder to get to that point. You would have to have a ton of volume. I mean, either way, like you just, you need intensity when it comes to bodybuilding. Um, and so having heavier loads will increase that intensity much faster. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on top of that, you're not fatigued go doing like a hundred reps on like a bicep curl, you know? So, um, remember that like weight training, like even people that do lift heavy, I think that when they come out of a mindset of like, I'm trying to burn calories, I'm going to do this so that I can burn calories. I'm eating this meal so that I can burn calories. It's not how you want to think. You got to change the way that you're thinking there and think like, I'm going into the gym to use this food to build muscle. Like not because the more you think I'm trying to burn calories, the more the, the di- there's a difference in intensity there. Um, and so just keep that in mind, uh, with the whole lighter weights, heavier weights things, there's a reason why we want to go heavy. And the reason why there's a reason why we want to get close to failure. Uh, it's not just because we want to push you and make things hard. It's, it's, uh, it's very scientific, um, because exactly. those stimulating reps matter. So, and I think also to kind of piggyback off what you're saying, like, not only is that intensity going to be different, but so is that execution. Cause if you're thinking mm-hmm. that like, Oh, the more you move your body, the more you maybe get your whole body into a fucking bicep curl, the more calories you're going to burn. And then you see those people like, you know, thrusting up weight during a bicep curl or doing like extra bodily movements, because they think that full body movements are going to generate, you know, more fatigue or burn more calories or, you know, help them get more shitty reps in like, it's not just about the sheer quantity. It's about the quality of that execution. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a great point because I think that people hear heavy sets, right? Let's do heavy sets. And then they, they take out that component of actually executing. I mean, I do it sometimes too, as I'm progressing, sometimes I'm progressing too quickly. Um, and I can tell my forms faltering and I'm like, okay, I need to pull back this upcoming week. Um, because I think I, I think I'm there, but I don't, I don't think I'm there because I can tell that by the way that I'm executing, I'm not feeling the muscle fibers the same way, even though the weight might be heavier. 
Um, and then I noticed that I might not, I might be more fatigued later, but not see as much growth, like during that week, or I can't see as much changes and whatever. Um, so it's really important to be very, very cognizant of the fact that, yeah, we're saying like heavier sets are probably going to be what's best for you. Like as far as like growing, however, like don't go in with heavy sets with your form shit, um, because that's not going to do you any good either. You have to have this like happy medium and you have to get, take your ego out of it because what's heavy for you is not going to be what's heavy for someone else. Mm -hmm. Um, for me, for example, like I don't have the best squat. Like I really don't, but I have great quads, glutes, and hamstrings. You know, I don't have the heaviest squat though. I can't get a very heavy squat. Um, as far like I'm in, I'm saying like, what's not impressive. Like, I guess, when I do like my squats, I think the most I'll go up to is like 145 for like eight, really. Mm-hmm. You know, that's still a hypertrophy range, but for me, that's heavy. Like you have to find what's heavy for you. Whereas some girls that have been training more strength-based, less bodybuilding, they might need heavier weights to stimulate um, the same way that I'm stimulating. So it's, it's something that you have to find for yourself. And that's something that people can't tell you. Like someone can't tell me like, that's not enough. Well, I know it's enough because I see my results and I see that I'm growing and I know, like, I know that I'm failing. And so, um, you'll have to find that for you. It's really important to be like very mindful about that. Exactly. Exactly. But at the end of the day, when it comes to getting those stimulating reps, you need to take your sets till failure or close thereof, whether you're lifting heavier or lifting lighter, um, some pros to like lifting, like heavy, like having a rep range, maybe like six, very, very bare minimum up to maybe 10. Like that's fairly, fairly heavy. You know, yes, you're going to be stimulating those high threshold or, um, high threshold motor units earlier out in the gates because they just a heavier load, but something to consider if maybe you experienced injuries in the past, like it is going to be a bit harder on your joints and connective tissue. So maybe doing something that is a bit more structured, um, or lifting a little bit lighter and taking it till failure might be better for you. Like it kind of just depends on where you're at in your experience level, or if it's a curtain, a certain phase in your bodybuilding career, like maybe a, like phase in your programming, like, oh, you're in a health phase or maybe you're coming off contest prep or something like that. And you want to be more cognizant of your total stress and fatigue accumulation than maybe like lifting a little bit lighter, but still having like two, three RIR might be better. But again, that's more um, strategic programming related between you and your coach and your current, you know, loading phase of your mesocycle. But let's kind of go into some pros of pushing muscle failure, like no, no reps in reserve, like all out, you gave everything that that muscle had without like any bullshit compensation or anything like that. So some pros, like, first off, let me define what is true muscle failure, because there's like a technical failure where, you know, you fail and then start compensating with other body parts and other like muscle groups that we're not trying to train. And then there's true muscle failure. And this is when your muscles are unable to perform a concentric contraction and to move the weight that you are trying to lift. So we're talking like form at like, I don't know, we'll give an arbitrary number 75% because obviously as you go to failure, your form is going to generally break down a little bit. Like it's just going to happen, but it shouldn't go to total shit. Mm -hmm. Um, 
feel free to disagree with that. But I feel like, you know, there comes to be a certain point where it's like, things aren't going to look super pretty, especially if you're doing like a really big technical lift, like a squat, like, you know, your hips might start to press out of it before, you know, you have that lift off, but I digress some pros. It is extremely, extremely stimulating when you are training till failure, you're going to get those um, stimulating reps and you're going to leave essentially nothing left in the tank. It's going to be much more time efficient because you're going to just need to do less sets. Like when you are having those stimulating reps and you continue to compound more and more, more in volume, you're going to have that diminishing return, right? Because you can think about it like an inverted U curve. Like there's only so much volume up to a point where if that volume and intensity don't trade off because they have an inverse relationship, you are going to start digging yourself into this big fatigue deficit. And if you're not recovering from it, it's going to hinder your growth. So that's something that's really important to understand. To be honest, like you shouldn't be in the gym for more than like, I would say an hour, hour and a half at this, at this type of training. You don't need it. I mean, if you're really focused in the gym, I mean, I would say sometimes I get through my stuff in like 45 minutes and I'm like gassed. Um, And so like for people that go into the gym for two, two and a half hours, like you don't need it in their field. You're not training a failure. If you're doing that, I'm sorry. Like (laughs) you, you would be so done. You would be so done and just be dreading your next sets. Like there are some times where I could do another, I I'm prescribed a warm up set towards the end of my session. And I end up not, I just go straight to failure because I literally don't need to do any more than, Mm -hmm. than what's there. So Mark might have like two, one or two warm up sets and shit, if I'm feeling it and I'm really gassed, I just go straight for the fail because there's a point where I don't want to say it's a waste of time, but you're just, you're overstimulating and it might, it might interfere with your recovery later, especially if you're just gassed towards the end. Um, and so you don't need to be in the gym. Like you don't need to be in the gym. I think like from a, a general population standpoint, very often when you train to failure, like I had my chiropractor ask me, how many days do you train? I said three to four a week. He was like, he looked at me like, what? Like, <laughs> and he was it's usually four. Um, I said, it's usually four, but you know, sometimes I need an extra rest day. And he's like, what? Like, I thought that people like you train like every day. And I go, yeah, some do, but I don't you know? And so, yeah, it's, it's hard for gen pop to realize that I think, uh, you don't, you don't have to be in the gym. If you're training really, if you're really intense with it, you don't need, need to waste time in there. Um, because it adds to, it adds so much stress. And once we get into the cons about it, then you'll see, but, um, it does add a lot of stress. So you don't need to be in the gym six days a week training a failure. And if and you definitely don't need to be in there for two hours. And if you are, you're not training a failure. So agreed. Agreed. And you actually kind of touched on a good con. It's like, because you were having like such a high <laughs> gener, like it's a really high fatiguing thing. You're going to have like much more muscular damage and also that central nervous system fatigue. So you'll need longer recovery, which is why like, you know, if you're training till failure, true failure, like you should only really be training four days a week, max, maybe, maybe five. If you have like a two on one off type of split, but like Mm -hmm. shit. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, some people, some, especially newer lifters that are needing to grow muscle. I think that volume does help them. So like having a five day split helps, especially if you're trying to grow muscle. 
Now, when you get more advanced, it starts to change. It starts to be to where you can pull back a little bit on the, on the training frequency um, and volume. So I remember when I was first growing into figure, my sets were like 20 reps for like, even like my, um, my warm up sets, which would be a lot. Like that's, that's a lot like to warm up with, but I grew so much during that time. And that time was a time for me to understand what it was like to have intensity, to warm up, to truly warm up my muscles. And then to also like get to failure, right? Like, and then in my second phase of training, I pulled down to like six reps, 12 reps. And then I was like super strong. Like I was like, it, my, my strength increased so much because I was no longer doing those, you know, 20 rep ranges, but I also was so, I also understood how to get to failure at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so for people that are trying to grow, I would say like, take it, I don't train seven days a week, but also don't be, don't be negligent with your volume. Um, because, it's important. It's important as you're, and it's important because you need to learn how to get to failure. There's a learning part of it. That's, that's so important mentally. Um, that takes a long time to get to, it's not like it just happens overnight. So totally agree. And just to give a little bit of a, a, not necessarily devil's advocate, but if you're like working with a coach and you're a beginner, but you're only training three days a week. Okay. Well, if you're also in like a health phase or something, like that's totally different. Like don't just do more because Ash and Britt are saying, Oh, you need to lift five days a week. Like if you're like in a health phase, you're correcting gut health, you're taking stress away. The last thing you should be doing is spending more fucking time in the gym. So just a little disclaimer. I'm talking talking about people that are in the position to build muscle. Mm -hmm. If you are in the position to build muscle, then think about where you're at. Um, as far as your level, uh, in, in training, because that matters and where you're at, like just musculature wise, how much you've already built and all, all of those things matter. So yeah, if you, if you're in the position to do it, if you're not like, then just turn this podcast off, I guess. Then show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the last con of training till failure is there can be some safety concerns for beginners, especially. Um, and then also like, if you're doing more technical lifts, like a squat or a deadlift, like you know, there can be something where if you push it too hard, too quickly, and maybe you're not always fully recovered as you maybe thought you were, there could be a higher risk for injury there. But for the most part, like chances are like your coach is going to be really smart when it comes to their programming. And you're not going to be taking like something that isn't extremely safe, like all the way, unless like there's just some cause for concern there, but going into reps in reserve, this is specifically where we're kind of holding reps in the tank, right? So you're not going to true muscular failure, but this is not under any circumstance in these sets are easy. Like they are still just as fucking hard as failure. You're just not reaching true failure. Mm-hmm. And I think there's like this debate kind of like in the fitness community that like, can you still grow and make progress? Absolutely. Because yeah. again, it's about those stimulating reps. Mm-hmm. So as long as you are training hard and having hard sets and getting those stimulating reps, you are still going to grow and make progress. Now Mm -hmm. at that rate, again, with that um, inverted U curve, it kind of depends upon person. Like, no, there's not like a one size fits all thing, but it's really important to just have context because maybe someone who is really, really high stress shouldn't be training till failure because the recovery is going to go to shit and they're not going to be able to, you know, 
generate enough recovery to get out of that fatigue deficit that they've developed and they might be, you know, holding back on their growth. So maybe reps and reserve would be better for them. So again, it's always context um, specific when it comes to, you know, programming for a client or programming for yourself. Mm -hmm. I think it's important to know, like, when should you be in reps and reserve? Like, when should you train reps and reserve? Okay. If you're stressed, potentially, like, so like, this is more auto-regulation. Like if you're stressed from something, so like you might, if for, stress could be your, your menstrual cycle. You might be on the first day of your menstrual cycle and you feel very fatigued. Um, you might consider taking that day off, or if you need to train and you can't adjust your schedule, then might want to consider reps in reserve. If you are on a protocol for like with your coach for like gut health or something, they're probably having you do reps in reserve or some, something like that. I don't want to say some shit like that, but like something like that, um, any type of stress that you have, you are less, you have less sleep. That's a stressor. Um, realistically, like you would like to probably take that day off, but if you can't, then you might want to consider reps in reserve. So reps in reserve are great auto-regulation tools to where like, if you can't adjust your training schedule, they're great to use like in the moment, like, you know, and then they're also obviously going to be programmed for you by your coach if needed. If you're in a phase where you're recovering post-show reps in reserve are probably what you need to do. You're probably not going to be training to failure post-show. You probably should not do that. You should probably like for a few weeks, especially if you're coming off of like every day you're doing an hour of cardio or something like that, like you're going to be highly taxed. So reps and reserve are a great tool to make sure that you're still training. You're still staying in that mindset of like your reverse and, and all of that, but also making sure that you're safe and also making sure you're mediating stress. So reps and reserve are great for auto-regulation and then also mediating stress, but also keeping your head in the game. Um, so yeah, they're not, and they're not supposed to be easy as we keep saying, like they're supposed to be, they're not a walk in the park. Um, but they are effective. So exactly. And the reason why, you know, if some pros to train RIR is, you know, is going to be mentally less demanding and you're going to have a better central nervous, um, system recovery, better muscle recovery. As long as like, you know, your recovery process is on point. Um, it's going to be safer on those more harder and de- um, technical lifts. So again, thinking kind of like not all major compounds, but I think especially like a barbell squat or a barbell deadlift, especially if your execution on those is like kind of at that beginner, even intermediate level could be beneficial. Cause you don't want to be popping hamstrings and shit. Mm-hmm. Um, but some cons though, is it is so easy to bitch out. Yeah. <laughs> and it's easy to bitch out on failure, let alone reps in reserve, right? It's kind of difficult to gauge. Is that two reps in reserve? Is that three reps in reserve? Was that one rep in reserve? Like it's mm-hmm. kind of hard to do that. And if you are bitching out, you're going to get less of those stimulating reps and therefore probably not progress the way you would want to be progressing. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I think when you're trying to teach people how to lift like beginners, RIR is not something you necessarily want to use. And the reason why, the reason why is because they don't know what failure is yet. They have no idea. So how do you know what RIR feels like if you've never failed? So in that case, like usually my, my style, and it might be different for you, Ashley, but for people that are just beginning, I give them a set number of reps and sets 
And then we go into failure training later on. Uh, and then we start putting in more intricate, like RIR type stuff, because I can't give them RIR if they don't know what failure looks like yet. Um, but I also can't necessarily give them failure in the beginning because that's too much on the central nervous system. So, yeah, I don't know how you do it, but that's that's kind of how I veer, um, especially when it comes to lifestyle people that are just getting into the gym and they've never done anything before. Right. Yeah. So I actually do it a little differently. I will program um, failure because I know in my heart they're not actually going to go till failure. And I if I do reps and reserve then when I look at their videos, I'm like, okay, y'all, you had like seven more reps in you. Right. So it's like, they're just in the gym lifting, you know, light weights. So what I do is I work with them to kind of establish what that failure looks like. But first I make sure that we have the foundational elements. Okay. Is their form good? How is their engagement? Like I'll, I'll send them videos to watch on YouTube because usually like the biggest engagement that's lacking is lats. Like, I don't know what it is, but when people do like a bent over row, you just see their biceps and shit, like just mm-hmm. kind of like rowing it. And so I'm like, okay, well, here's like a John Meadows video that really helped me like learn to like contract the lat. So we kind of go through mechanics first and establishing better contractions. And because that takes time, then we kind of ease into failure training. So although I do already have it programmed it programmed in there for them, unless it's like a really hard technical lift, then of course I don't, but it's not like they're training until failure straight out of the gates because mentally yeah. they're just not mature enough to really understand that, but it gets developed over time. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I find that like, like kind of tell, like looking at their training videos, you can see where they can push more. Mm-hmm. When I was training in person, um, it was like, I got all my clients because my clients would tell everyone how hard the training sessions were. Like they were just like, because I was kind of like, I was progressively overloading them I didn't even know that I was right then. I just, I just knew I needed to make it harder. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. and, um, I would give them a set amount of reps, but every week was still harder than the last, or we progressed the weight and they just got to that number of, of reps. Um, and then over time, then it became like, I would put them into more strength-based programming and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. Um, I think with people, I mean, we're not talking bodybuilding, but bodybuilders at this point, but I think just for people that are in lifestyle, um, regimens listening to this, like, and you're trying to get into the gym or you're trying to understand what it's like to get into failure sets. Like you have to practice it. You have to practice it. Um, and it's a skill. It's not something that just happens. Um, so it's, it's important to, to understand like what intensity looks like Mm -hmm. and that you can, there, you can absolutely go harder than what you think. Exactly. And really the only reason why I don't like programming like 10 or 12 reps, like I'll give them a range being like, if you like are lifting this weight and it goes out of this like rep range, then you need to increase weight. But the only reason why I don't like say like 10 to 12, it's not that it's not beneficial, but like, this is how I think if my coach tells me 12 reps, I'm going to be more focused on counting 12 reps. And I'm not going to be worrying about muscle engagement. So especially for those newer people, I'm like, listen, here's like a generic rep range that like we want to try to stick with, but I want you filming your top sets. And I want you thinking about what muscle you're using. Even if you don't necessarily understand the actual anatomical positioning, Mm -hmm. if you're squeezing your back, okay, well think squeeze. I want you more engaged with how it feels and how your muscles are working than just doing 12 reps because coach Ash said 12 reps. And that's just kind of like my train of thought. And 
maybe I'm overthinking things, but like, that's just like how I used to think of it when I was like with my first coach, it was, if it was like 20 reps, then you do 20 reps and like <laughs> fuck muscle activation. Mm-hmm. It's different for everyone. So. Yeah. Um, so should you train to failure? Um, when should you, it's, it depends. Um, it depends on what your goals are and your training. Like, that's why we're talking about this, like, right. Because it's like this whole beginner thing versus bodybuilders versus what, like, it really depends. It depends on your comfortability in the gym when it comes to lifts. Like I have lifestyle people that don't go to failure because they don't like people looking at them go crazy. Right. Like, (laughs) you know, whereas for me, like, I don't care who's looking at me. I'm going to failure. I don't care if I look ugly and I don't care if I'm screaming. Like, Mm -hmm. so it depends on your, your comfortability, your training experience and your goals. Um, beginners, RAR on, on smaller lifts, RAR on larger lifts. If you know what RAR looks like, If you don't, then you need to find out what failure looks like first before RAR is a thing. You kind of have to, I, that's just my opinion. Like, but yeah, Ashley, like, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think if you're going, if you're a beginner and you're wanting to figure out what RAR is, pick a safe lift, like pick something that's like contained, like a leg press with the support bars, pick something like I don't know, maybe not a pendulum squat because I think it'd be scary as shit sometimes, <laughs> but like pick something that's safe to try and then, you know, go just film your top set and just go and yeah. try not to look like a jackass. Like remember, we're not like saying like ignore tempo and stuff like that, but like try to see how far you can push Definitely. and then you have that good starting point. And then you can be like, well, what does that feel like for bicep curl? Because obviously a failure set on a leg press is not going to feel the same as a failure set on a bicep curl. Definitely. I think like, even like if you were like, don't go fail set balls to the wall on like a deadlift or a squat. Mm -hmm. Like, don't do that because you have to learn how to do a squat correctly first. Right. Like before you can do all of that other crap. Right. So there's definitely steps when it comes to beginners. Um, it's not trying to overcomplicate it, but just for safety reasons, like, because honestly, beginners will get sore off of three sets of 10. They will because they they haven't or at least this is I'm talking about people that don't get into the gym, like people that are come just coming into the gym, like and lift anything. It's going to be very stimulating for them because they don't lift for somebody that generally comes into the gym, but they're just trying to understand what failure looks like. Then you can start like seeing how far you push yourself on smaller. I would say like one joint movements, like a quad extension um, for legs or like a hamstring curl, like those are very safe to do. And then starting, if you were going to start with like a more compound movement or a bigger movement, try to do things like a row, like a row is a good, like starting point for a failure because it's, you, you don't need a spot for it. Um, you can drop the weight when needed, like stuff like that. So think, think smart when you're coming in and you're like learning how to train to failure, um, but don't hurt yourself. Don't go with those big lifts until you have someone with you or you have mastered the lift itself and you're comfortable doing it. So. Agreed. Agreed. And everyone who's more advanced in the gym, we're talking zero reps in reserve going to true failure, one rep in reserve, maybe depending upon if it's a technical lift. Um, but again, these aren't hard set rules because again, even if you're an advanced person, but maybe you're in a push phase versus a health phase, 
like again more is not going to be better like you have to be smart when you're in your programming to understand like what you're what you need to do to either be in a maintenance phase maybe like i said it's a push phase whatever so be smart with your programming yeah but yeah some key takeaways though essentially like if you like got this far like okay well here's like three bullet points for you have hard sets whether it's going to be lightweight or heavyweight depending upon your goal you need to have hard sets you get those stimulating reps reps done closer to muscle failure are going to recruit more of those high thresh motor units which is going to create more tension and have greater impact on muscle growth and then lastly training till failure requires less volume due to the level of intensity so understand that when you are training hard and you are having hard sets your volume should not be high and you should not be going to the gym all the fucking time <laughs> yeah you shouldn't training frequency is less training mm-hmm. volume like you it's less is more with with failure training that's like the key takeaway less is more yes. um and also i think that mentally like failure you have to think about what is going to get you to keep going um i think it's a really important aspect to think that me- people that are good at failure training are good at mental strength and mental fortitude and mental training. So a lot of times I find people that are good at fail training have been through the ringer in life. Like I know Mm -hmm. that, I know it sounds weird, but like they've been through the freaking ringer, like, and so they're good at failure training because they know how to push their minds. Um, and that's really important when it comes to failure training, because you can push, even I could push more than what I think I can. Even now, I always know, like when I stop, I probably could have gotten more, but I, the body will stop before everything. Um, And so be very mindful about that is that failure training is not when it hurts. It's when you're done. It's when you can't move anymore. It's when like, you're literally failing. You're, you're trying to get that last rep. Like if you didn't try to get the last rep, then you didn't fail Mm -hmm. type of thing. Um, And so I always have like, when I have my athletes that live out in Southern California, if I have them come train with me or they, they decide they want to come see me or something, we train together. They're like, Oh, this is what you mean. Um, because it takes to see someone actually do it to actually, to know like what that feels like. And so, um, just keep that in mind too. Like mental fortitude is super important when it comes to failure training. Um, but there's a method to the madness and less is more with fail training. So exactly, exactly. And to kind of piggyback off with what Britt was saying, um, a good piece of advice I actually got was from Keely. And she said, don't recognize the pain that you're experiencing as pain, mm-hmm. experience it as stimulus. Cause that's what it is. Like, yeah. it's all about simulation. Like, yeah, it fucking hurts, but like, don't acknowledge that it's painful. Acknowledge that what you were doing is just the stimulus that you need in order to produce the results that you want. Like sometimes like, it's sorry, keep going. No, like that's just though. It's like, it sounds so simple, but it is like, yes, it's painful. Yes. It's hard. Yes. You're probably, you know, saying some bad words that like, you know, you would be embarrassed if your mother heard you, but like Mm -hmm. at the same time, like if you acknowledge that it's not actually pain, it's stimulus, you might be able to get out one or two more reps because you're telling yourself, this is not painful. This is stimulating. Yeah. Like I, I wonder sometimes I was thinking about this yesterday when I was training, I'm like, why do I, why do I like this so much? Like, why do I like, and it's, and it's like you said, I just learned something right now. Like I think of it as stimulus. I think of it as 
the time I'm getting better. So when I get to that top part portion of the set and it's like my last few reps and it's like, oh God, like it, like I, I, it, it's like, it doesn't really hurt. It's just, I know those are the, those are the reps I'm getting better. Like when I, when I surpass my last week's lifts, I'm like, yes, yes, mm. yes, yes. Like, um, I know that my time wasn't, I don't want to say wasted because it's not wasted. There's always improvement that could be, even if you don't, if, if you don't progress the following week, but I know in those moments, like I'm getting better. Um, yeah. and that's another reason why failure training is great y'all, because you can track your progress. You can literally track it. Like, and it's all about tracking and being organized here mm. and doing things optimally. And so that's why fail training is also so popular. Like at, at least like as people are freaking realizing that, oh, like you should probably be training close to failure. Like, um, <laughs> no, because like, I think for a minute people thought that you, because of all these fads, <laughs> yeah, because of all these fads and like different types of training, people forgot the basics. Yeah. Um, and now it's like slowly coming back. Um, yeah, failure training is a great way to, to use progressive overload. Mm -hmm. So, and it makes it very simple. You just progress from the last week's fail. That's it. Um, you don't have to worry about, I progressed from one, 150 pounds at 12 reps. And now I'm going to progress at 160 pounds for 12 reps. No, just like fail, like, and track yeah. the fail. Like that's so much easier. Um, and so, yeah, that's another reason why we should probably be failing. Exactly. Makes things and organized. Exactly. And then like a tip that I think I want to give is like, well, how do you get yourself to that point? It's like, yeah, like Britt was saying is usually you got to have gone through some shit, but something that I really like to do is like everyone usually listens to like headbanger, like hard shit when they're training. I mean, I do too, except for my top sets, especially on a large compound lift, like a leg press. No, I listen to slow songs. So usually my fail set for leg press is good for you by Selena Gomez, like that mm -hmm. sheer tempo, or it might be something from the weekend. It's slow. So therefore it keeps you disciplined. So therefore, when you get close to muscle failure, you don't speed up, you mm -hmm. go slower. You focus on connecting with that muscle and you push it until it cannot push anymore. Not until yeah. you cannot, until it cannot. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I usually listen to baby making music, you know? literally and, the weekend or not that's one of my jams yes like, i, I yeah. listen to party next door <laughs> and i i have like my my i have what is my playlist called i think it's called like oh it's called slow it down it's like mm. that's what my oh, there you go slow it down slow, slow that slow those reps down <laughs> um sometimes i listen to like edm and stuff but I mostly listen to it like in the first parts of my workout. Yes. And then towards the end, it's like, it changes into baby making music or like yeah. something very slow or even um, I like instrumentals too, uh, mm -hmm. where I don't so hear that. words it, because sometimes I focus on the words. I focus on like what they're saying mm -hmm. rather than like what's going on. And so, yeah, like music is super important too. Like just the environment that you're in to fail is so important. Like in some gyms, I can fail comfortably because of the people that are there In other gyms. I can't like, I, I mean, I can, but it's like, not the same. Like, you don't get the same vibe from being at the YMCA. No. Like, <laughs> so yeah, it's, uh, you got to get a lot of shit together when it comes to fail training, your environment, what you're listening to your friends, your mental fortitude, it all works together and also get a logbook. <laughs> 
that's my last piece of advice. Oh, yes. And the last <laughs> thing I want to say is for you beginners out there that are like, will message like Brit and I or other people being like, oh, I love when you post your failure training videos because it tells me I can push harder. I want to let you guys know that we can always push harder too. Yeah. Like we can, it's not like something where it's like you, you, it clicks with failure training. Like, yes, kind of. Cause you start to understand what it feels like, but you can always push harder, especially if you have a training partner, you know, they might be able to get you past a sticking point and then you can generate more reps on top of that and kind of go past failure. So like, understand it's a work in progress. It's not that it's like something like, is like a flip of a light switch that like you either fail or you don't like, it's something that you learn to develop and learn to master much like you know, lifting as a whole. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Love that for us. Love it. Okay. Well, I hope everyone has the best week. Thank you so much for listening today and we will catch you next weekend. All right. Peace out guys. Thanks. <laughs>